We'll also be hearing throughout the hour from two panelists about the challenges the next administration will face abroad. Susan Glasser is editor-in-chief of Foreign Policy magazine, and Michael O'Hanlon is the director of research for foreign policy at the Brookings Institution. Welcome to you both. I want to begin by asking about American voters. The economy is sluggish. There are political fights over domestic issues like same-sex marriage, taxes, job creation. And a lot of people so far in this campaign season have been focusing on problems at home rather than worrying too much about the rest of the world. Susan, should Americans be paying more attention to what the two main presidential candidates are proposing regarding foreign policy? Well, first of all, Ray, thank you so much for having us today. I have to say, if you look at the poll numbers, it suggests that you are absolutely correct, and they are not only not paying attention, they are really not paying attention. I think the latest number that I saw from Gallup was something like 4% of Americans believe that foreign affairs is an important part of the campaign decision for them this year. So this is as low on the agenda as it's been in, in any recent election in history. But of course, the stakes are high, and it doesn't matter if they're paying attention or not. There will be a major decision about which way the country goes based on which candidate they pick. And I've been struck by the fact that both the Romney and Obama campaigns have a lot of disagreements with each other that are not likely to be too much more than rhetorical when push comes to shove, that there's a lot of focus on the different rhetoric between the two candidates. And you have Mitt Romney out there beating his chest about American exceptionalism and what a great country we are, as if Obama was a European socialist who had sort of laid down and rolled over American values. Uh, The flip side is, I bet you're sick of hearing by now Barack Obama claim credit for killing Osama bin Laden. And uh, his party thinks that he has a chance to be the first serious, hardcore national security Democrat with an advantage on the issue in in decades. Is that natural, Michael, given the experience of the last 10 years? There might be a little foreign policy fatigue out there among voters. Yeah, it's well said. And I think Susan gave an excellent summary of the situation. But I also think implicitly the voters are saying, you know what, we have a certain amount of confidence in both these potential commanders in chief, because I think even when the polls don't show it, people know what goes along with this job. They realize that there are matters of war and peace that are involved. And if somebody looked irresponsible, I think the voters would punish them for that, even if the economy was naturally towards the top of their list. But I think part of it as well is that neither campaign is trying to highlight its difference with the other on foreign policy. When I've been reporting in other places in the world, I'm always struck by the way regular people, the people on the street of Asia, Africa, Latin America, regard the United States with a mixture of envy, enjoyment. I mean, it's it's a complex and full bag (laughs) of attributes, but they are often vitally interested in what American candidates have to say about their part of the world. Is there a role to be played for an American candidate to articulate a vision about the rest of the world that's necessary for the rest of the world to hear? I think that's very well put, and that's certainly been my experience as well. People pay very close attention to even the minutiae of American politics. If you go to Pakistan, they want to know uh, what's the difference in rhetoric between Obama and Romney on al-Qaeda, for example, on the war on terror, on the use of drones. They want a level of granularity that so far this campaign simply has not provided. But I would argue that that perhaps is a good thing, and here's why. Because American presidents 
have a long history in common, regardless of party, of saying one thing on the campaign trail when it comes to foreign policy and then feeling free to do the other. If you look at George W. Bush, if you look at Barack Obama, you know, they have both shown us in, in recent times that what you say on the campaign trail often stays on the campaign trail and doesn't make it very far into the White House before it collides with other realities. Michael? In the uh, book I've recently done with two Brookings co-authors called Bending History, we try to argue Obama actually has had a hard time realizing these big visions for the world. He's done better at sort of the traditional job of protecting the United States. Mm -hmm. And on balance, we say he's been a pretty good foreign policy president, but not in the way that he aspired to uh, so much as in the way that he needed to once he got into office. Secondly, and we haven't even mentioned the word Afghanistan. We still have 85,000 U.S. troops there. I'm actually glad you haven't steered us in that direction because it's easy to get bogged down in the wars. But I still think it's notable that this far into a campaign, we tend not to talk much about Afghanistan. But I would also say that's probably a fairly good thing because we're all sick of that war. But political debates of one-upsmanship on how to get out most effectively can only put pressure on candidates to promise a more rapid departure. And therefore, silence is golden. Finally, the number one thing that either Obama or Romney needs to do to help the world is to help the American economy. And all these other policies are important. But the fundamental threat that we are now posing, I think, to the world is our own inability to continue to lead the way that we have for many decades. And the number one cause of that is a trillion-dollar deficit and a weak economy. One major challenge for American government since 1979 has been how to deal with Iran. In the past decade, the prospect of a nuclear-armed Iran has alarmed America's chief ally in the Middle East, Israel. Michael, how would a second Obama administration deal with Iran, and how is that different from what Mitt Romney's proposing? This might be the single hardest question to try to grapple with in looking at these two candidates, because both have been very, very firm in saying that a nuclear-armed Iran is unacceptable. And President Obama this past spring uh, ruled out the idea of containment, the notion that we could essentially deal with uh, maybe a few Iranian nuclear weapons as long as we kept the sanctions on tight, worked with the rest of the world to put military capabilities around Iran's borders and be capable of reacting if Iran should strike out. But Obama rejected that, and he reaffirmed in even more emphatic terms than before that an Iranian nuclear capability is unacceptable to him. Governor Romney's been saying the same thing, perhaps even more stridently, and arguably it's, it was his set of comments that made Obama feel political pressure to say what he did. Well, Susan, uh, Michael points out both candidates are saying a nuclear Iran is unacceptable, but short of military intervention. Is there any way to keep Iran, if it's dead set on doing it, from going nuclear? I think one of the goals of both the Bush administration and the Obama administration has been to set the clock back as much as possible. And both the Bush and Obama administrations have had a very aggressive, actually, covert program of doing anything that they could to muck around with the Iranian nuclear program. Uh, to some effect, it appears, in terms of setting back the clock. Clearly, this is something where we've managed to stretch out the time frame. It's taken them longer than many other countries to acquire nuclear capability. You know, if recent reports are to be believed, the Obama administration has approved, continued, and stepped up usage of very aggressive attacks on Iran, including including what appears to be the first major offensive use of cyber war capacity, cyber attacks by the United States against Iran. Susan Glasser of Foreign Policy and Michael O'Hanlon of the Brookings Institution. 